0: Welcome to Building Great Sales Teams, a show dedicated to making sales teams tick, tick, boom. I didn't have a playbook starting out. I had to learn everything the hard way. The good news is you don't have to. Great sales teams are not recruited. They are built block by block. Let's get to work. 15 of them are six-figure earners and we're small, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And we do... Uh, AT and T still, but not door to door. We mainly uh, manage like apartment complexes, and okay. then uh, we we have a solar division as well, and then uh, consulting now. So, okay. Just those three, you. those three branches, yeah.
1: And you're like barely twenty five, right? I mean, no, I'm thirty five.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, though. Appreciate that. <laughs> uh, that's so awesome. So, so we're gonna start the podcast with that line.
1: <laughs> okay,
0: <laughs> you're barely twenty five, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right. Yeah. So I'll jump into the uh, the intro here, and we'll just we'll, we'll get rolling because we're already having great conversation. So I don't. Okay. Think, We need to structure it any any (laughs) which way or anything. All right, let me just jump in. Like it. All right. Oh wait, how do you pronounce your last name? Spate. Spate. Okay, I was going to butcher that, so I'm glad I asked you. Okay. (laughs) Thank you. All right, guys, we got Harry Spate. Harry serves others by mentoring people on growing their business and sales. Uh, Harry's a keynote speaker, coach, and author of "Selling with Dignity: Your Formula for Life Changing Sales Results." And if I might add, honestly, it's, it's, a, it's a formula for life-changing results in general. And uh, he's also the host of the Sales Made Easy podcast. Harry, welcome to Building Great Sales Teams. We're, we're honored to have you.
1: Oh, Doug, it's so awesome to be here, man. I love the energy already. And why did you say what you said? Because I totally well, believe what you said about my book uh-huh. is all about... What you said, I couldn't even say it any better. So why, where does that come from?
0: Well, I I'm a hundred, I'm only a hundred pages in, I'll be honest. I'm a hundred pages in. I actually lost the book in one of my book bags. As soon as I, (laughs) as soon as you booked the podcast, I, uh, I started reading it and I couldn't put it down and then I, I lost one of my book bags and I have like three of them and uh, it, it ended up being under the seat of my truck. But, um, which it's, it's a little compartment thing. I have a clean vehicle, but
1: it's (laughs) next to the French fries. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So,
0: uh, but I'm, I'm a hundred pages in and I was just like, man, I haven't, I haven't resonated with an author, uh, this much in a long time. And I, I really believe in a lot of the things that you're teaching. So I'm, I'm glad that your company reached out to us about the, uh, the, the podcast. I'm, I'm very excited Um, and so on that subject, how would you say, because most of the people that are listening to this are either just starting out with their sales teams, you know, they, they want to learn how to grow one, um, or they have, you know, maybe like a 20 person sales team. So they probably read a bunch of different sales books and stuff like that. How is this one different?
1: Uh, it's all about the people. It's not about strategy tactics and so forth, right? Where, so I've done the sales teams, leading sales teams, building sales teams from one to well, not huge, but you know, 15 or so. Uh-huh. And, but I, I came from a, a ministry background. So talk about servant leadership. That's all I knew. Mm-hmm. And culturally, that's not typically what happens with a publicly held company. Not at all. Um, they're not about, they're about numbers, right? It's all about the numbers, spreadsheets, activity management, and so forth. Um, and I just try to work around that and do the best I could with playing the system to some degree. But it was really all about people, people that meant something. Even when I had to let people go, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, happens in sales. And, Absolutely. you know, you give them an opportunity to, you know should help them perform better and so forth. But sometimes the best sales job people give you is when they're interviewing, right? Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. So to answer your story, to me, it's all about the people and to be better at working with people. And that ties into our lives. It ties into our families. Mm -hmm. You can't be one that sells with dignity and then go home and mistreat your wife or mistreat your children. Right. So it's really all connected no, What's I love the thought
0: on that. And it, it's very true. You and I were talking about it before we got kicked off here um, early in my career. You know, I was about 23 when I started my sales company and um, had a lot of success early on all about mm-hmm. the numbers, you know, boiler room type yeah. uh, mentality. And uh, that worked for somebody that wasn't building a family. You know, that worked for, for somebody that wasn't al- aligned on core values and, and, and uh, didn't under, understand what he wanted to leave in terms of legacy, right? right? And it, but it only worked for so long. You know, it was a mm-hmm. temporary, I, I guess, satisfaction, right? It didn't create any long-term sustainability as far as uh, a company was concerned or a sales culture was concerned. And so, a lot of the things you talk about in your book um, that you preach not to do have temporary results, right? And and then, but long-term what you're talking about in terms of uh building a proper culture and selling with dignity long term that's i feel like that's going to win and it it has for me once i've changed my direction yeah that's awesome
1: yeah so i mean i love what you're uh becoming aware about it means right just Mm -hmm. as a young man at 23 i mean what can you possibly know other than what you've been Taught right. It's not like you have this great history of observation, and you say, "I wonder, I wonder if why this is." Right? We just do at that age. We just do pretty much what we're told. This works. Just do it. Go make it happen. You know. And I hear this in sales all the time. Just you got to make it happen. Just got to go make it happen. I used to say something similarly, but it was when you built a team around you, Mm -hmm. and you had people that had shared the same values or similar values, uh, about working hard, taking care of people and so forth. Well, part of making it happen was getting out and speaking with people. Yeah. Right. Just getting in the mix to me was huge. Mm-hmm. Um, and then good things would happen. So Absolutely. I believe in the line, but I also believe in the
0: substance, like you said, behind it too. Right. So I'm, I'm really curious. Um, well, not curious because I have read, the first part of your book. So I know most of this, but our listeners haven't. So um, tell, tell us about the journey up to Selling with Dignity because you, you didn't start out in the traditional sales entry-level salesperson space. You started out in the ultimate sale, which is, you know, the gospel, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. So I started out in the gospel. I mean, I came out of high school looking for purpose in life mm-hmm. not like I found it. And then I spent the next 15 years or so pursuing that and ended up getting married with a believer. She had similar adventurous values that I did. So mm-hmm. it was like, if you're going to do something, go, I felt like go all in. Right. Yeah. So we ended up getting, you know, we traveled to, uh, like this is 1990. We were in Berlin, Germany. Shipping mm-hmm. away, that was then called the Berlin Wall. I don't wow. know if anyone knows that anymore, but we, you know, we took part of that just after the freedom, after the wall came down. It was still standing, obviously. Wow! And then a couple of years later, we were in Saint Petersburg, Russia, after they renamed it from Leningrad,
0: uh-huh.
1: and so communism had just collapsed. Boris Yeltsin had said, "You know, we're going to be free," and with uh that and that experience we, we then went really adventurous and decided to go try living in a foreign country for a couple of years which we ended up doing with the dominican republic wow so long story short our lives changed for the better when we traveled we saw different people different cultures uh-huh. Our understanding of humanity was vastly different from what it was going in, and, and you know I <laughs> I really encourage international travel because your eyes just open up compared to the way if you live in one country like we do in the states right versus Europeans who travel and get different cultures all the time right when they're crossing borders yeah right so yeah so it's just an incredible experience and then. When I got into sales, it was me coming from that background, so I stood out. I say, you know, it's not the fish out of water. I say I stood out like a missionary in a sales bullpen. (laughs) I don't think there is anything more opposite in life than a missionary in a sales bullpen. I hadn't sworn in years since high school. Uh And, you know, I would say things like crap, darn fudge and uh-huh. then I was just like wow this and I wasn't offended by it. it wasn't like I was too holy for it but it just was different yeah. to start you know to hear that is like okay so the f-bomb is Normal it's hair. not fudge anymore
0: it's, it's like the here <laughs> right yeah
1: exactly so anyway but it was, it was fun it was a great learning experience for that and I just tried to bring and it didn't work out right off the bat Cause I didn't really know I did what you did when you were 23. I just fell in line cause right. I had no knowledge whatsoever of business acumen mm-hmm. or sales. And you know, that kind of sales selling, yeah. you know, a better life was one thing, but selling with a quote is different.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so anyway, long story short, I uh, had to do some major league adjusting to figure this
0: all out. It took several months, but I did. I can I, I can imagine so, and you know, the education you must have gotten abroad, uh, traveling and selling the gospel, and and that is you know that is an incredibly incredibly hard sell, especially after a country has been a certain way for so long, and the, and that right. is literally hidden from them, and they get in trouble if they read it. I I, I can imagine yeah. some of the people you're talking to don't even want to look at it, don't even yeah, want to be around exactly. it because yep. you know they think that they're gonna you know deal with some type of judgment from the government you know if they yeah. do that so yeah
1: and then there was the other side so there's definitely that and then the other side was so much was going on underground mm-hmm. that people you know were just happy that it was open yeah which i found like as a communist country so i'm curious about china Mm -hmm. for instance yeah right because people are told to believe a certain way your government is god Mm -hmm. right there's nothing more important than the government And you can see how some of these communist countries act they just uh you know it's not about the people they'll sacrifice their people for the sake of the government without any qualms at all
0: yeah
1: right even in east berlin i mean it was in the 1980s Mm. someone was shot and killed trying to leave their own country yeah that's crazy. i mean can you imagine i mean it's just this is the stuff i mean we're we're, i mean in 1980s (laughs) right this is 1980s yeah and so what and this still goes on right still going on in china Mm -hmm. i'm sure um no offense to all the chinese uh, nationalists that are listening but <laughs> yeah no <laughs> i mean these these countries can be brutal and to mm-hmm. see you know these these people that just are going to stick with their faith in spite of mm-hmm. what's
0: going on around them is really shows you the power of faith to say the least yeah i can i, I can imagine so so having all that those experiences and then going into you know american sales and and copy or b2b sales at that um so so tell me w- what that was like you know you, you go from literally saving people's lives and their faith and their souls to now you've got to you know it almost feels like peddling these machines it does yeah you know? exactly
1: yeah i mean it was a huge i mean i don't want to say it was a step down because it was a dream i wanted to get into sales yeah right because i had a janitorial business i don't know if you came across that in the yeah book yet, i did but i did i you know i didn't want to carry keys and mops and buckets
0: right. and you know you got floors you guys anymore were, and all that y'all were <laughs> grinders man i mean because yeah. you were doing your janitorial business and you were pitching the gospel every day you know what i'm saying yeah. so i can't imagine i imagine you didn't have a moment You know, no, no. In fact, and I look back at what I
1: did and I look at my children who are now early 20s and say, Mm -hmm. yeah, you have no idea. (laughs) (laughs) They don't know my past life. There's no way that I can describe it. But anyway, um, to get answer your question, that whole, you know, once you see the bigger picture in life, then you get way beyond all of the idiotic things that Mm -hmm. people argue over and are jealous about and feel like they need to stand on top of their little mountain and so forth. It's like, and plant their flag. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, exactly. You know, and it's just, uh, so it's not like I'm any better. It's just that, that the world educated me to some degree, right? The cultures, exactly. And so getting into sales, I didn't take it as personally And I could just remind myself big picture things. And this is about people. Again, it took me several months to figure this out, Mm -hmm. which looking back is, was really pretty quick, but in Mm -hmm. the middle of it, when you're being asked every day, what are we selling today? You know, what are you going to close today? You know, who are we talking to is like, yeah, and I'm getting barraged were barraged with this stuff and Mm -hmm. i didn't know what good looked like i didn't know what bad looked like i figured that zeros on the board were not good and that's what i was doing yeah um but looking back now and saying well it took me about five or six months to ramp up where i started making sales um heck that wasn't bad at all but in the middle of it it seemed like eternity
0: yeah so i think there's a yeah a few good points you're bringing up and then, and one of them is, you know, the micromanagement. You know what I'm saying? Can be exhausting mm-hmm. in itself, right? Sales is is an emotional business if you let it be, right? And like you said, you didn't take it personally. So even though you th- you were throwing up zeros initially, and you were probably dealing with a lot of rejection, I mean, you were already used to that back in the day, right? Like it was yep. easy, and you were used to working working your butt off for. Probably 40 to 50 hours a week in your business and then another 40 to 50 hours a week as a missionary so I can imagine you were kind of set up to be a salesperson in a sense because you had that grind already right you were used to being told no or being you know I mean maybe this is a strong word but persecuted for your faith you know you're in foreign countries that don't believe that right and so a lot of rejection and a lot of hard work which is you know, something you deal with initially in sales. And a lot of people never get past that cusp because they don't want to deal with that anymore. You know what I'm saying? And so it sounds like you were able to, to get past that.
1: Yeah. I mean, so people like me, we want to be liked. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I mean, we're servant minded. We want, we serve others. We want to be liked, right? So we're not, you know, it's, it's hard to differentiate the two from, A person that's serving to one that doesn't want to be liked, right? It's just like they go hand in hand. So if, you know, you go to this restaurant and you can tell servers that like people and servers that just want to get paid. Yeah. Right. I mean, I was just at a restaurant the other day. The server clearly just wanted to get paid. I mean, no smile, no, how are we doing? I cracked a little joke, nothing. Right. And then you got others that are going to want to, you know, join you at the table because they love your energy. Right. So I'm of the site type that wants to be, Mm -hmm. and I'm not really competitive. I would play sports. And I know this sounds crazy with friends Mm. And I felt like I wanted them to win because there is more joy in watching them win than me winning as crazy as that that sounds. But I struggled with like, uh, I just, you know, it's sort of, yeah, it's like, you want to be like, I played hockey. You want to, you want to be the, I want to be the guy that gave the assists. I wanted to set up the nice pass play and have someone score and they got the accolades and they'd look at me and wink or something like mm-hmm. that.
0: Right. Well, you, you learn that later in life that there's, there's, that feeds your soul more than you winning yourself. Right. Yeah. And and yeah. for me it was, you know, playing rugby in my early thirties mm-hmm. and, um, I wasn't the guy that scored. I was the guy that set up the score and I was yeah. good at it and I yeah. loved it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, there you and go. And most of the yeah. guys, the younger guys, the ones that were in their 20s in the military and stuff like that, they yeah. were the ones that were like all about scoring, all about their yeah. stats and all that. And I was just yeah. like, I'm good right here throwing the assist, you know yeah. what I mean? And setting you guys up. But when I was younger, I was the same way. I, I wanted to win. I wanted to be number one. You know what I mean? Yeah. But as you get older, you find more, more value in that. So you learn that at, at an early age, it sounds like.
1: Yeah. I, and... It, Again, I, I don't know if I was really aware of it, that right? It's like you you look back at life. And so like this whole thing about serving in sales, mm-hmm. I said it. I remember saying it, but I still wasn't as aware of it until years later that I built my career around it because I wasn't when I said it on the drive going home saying I need, I need to serve. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't have the business acumen. I don't even know how to close. I don't get what I'm doing, but I can serve. And I'll just keep serving and see where that takes me. And then I kind of forgot about it, right? Yeah. But it just became part of my mantra mm-hmm. and you just it was like whatever unconsciously conscious I forgot yeah. what that whole thing is no, that's right a very where you real just thing. do things um without even thinking mm-hmm. but then looking back I said yeah I was doing it there I was doing it there and it was really pretty interesting to see how that all played out in life and when it didn't play out in life when I t- just strayed from it Mm-hmm right on to whatever right it's like you see someone else succeeding doing something you try something and then you say nah that's not me uh but so i've definitely made the mistakes of trying different things but it when i kept coming back to servant mindedness is when the most success i had in life everywhere
0: it makes a lot of right? sense what you said is you didn't realize you were doing it when you were doing it um you you know you decided to do it and then you kind of like just started building your business and that was subconsciously there you know yeah it's it's a very real thing because when i decided to start getting into consulting i was i was like i need and i need a system i need a platform in which Mm -hmm. to audit these companies uh based on and so i developed kodak well i was able to write uh kodak in about 30 minutes because (laughs) i had been doing it for the last 10 years you know yeah and all it is is an acronym for uh compensation opportunity development yeah. uh, operations and culture so that's so you're the,
1: looking in you're 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 watching it unfold when you're writing it yeah right you don't need just to flows. think about it yeah. it just
0: it's like you're you see it right in front of you yeah. like you're watching a movie or something so i i gotta imagine that's what writing this book was like for you you know and it just kind of like flowed out because it was all your experiences over the last, you know, 15, 20 years. And um, you had been practicing these principles so much that when it was time to put them down on paper and kind of tell that story, kind of just flowed out of you, I hope.
1: <laughs> yeah, it did. It really did. And it was like, I was watching it. And yeah. I didn't know when, uh, if anyone's out there thinking about writing a book, mm-hmm. I didn't know that this would be the experience. Yeah that I would be watching the movie and just writing it, right? You mm-hmm. you put yourself in the zone, so to speak. And, you know, whether a couple of minutes in prayer or meditation and say, look, help me get my thoughts together. Yeah. And then uh, you just reflect and it's like, wow. Um, and I, yeah, I mean, so I can relate to what you're saying, right? You, once you know it and you see it, it's mm-hmm. real easy to write. It's the stuff that people are, they have to think about and imagine. I, I'm sure that's much
0: different than yeah. what I wrote. Yeah, I've got a lot of. So, I'm, I'm in a, a business that we're called Apex, uh-huh. and um, you know, the platform for Apex is building your machine, and the machine is your uh, authority, which is what you're you're doing right now as well with your book, your podcast, and um, and so there's a lot of you know early 20s guys in there, and so. You know, they've had a lot of success in their business, building their businesses and everything. And now it's time for them to take that next step and building their machine. So they've got to write the book, you know, which mm-hmm. I'm currently doing right now. I'm writing a book right now as well. Awesome. And I got to imagine it's so much harder for them because their experiences are, you know, like this, you know, mm-hmm. and in, you may mine are here. And then, you know, yours are here. You know what I'm saying? So I, I got to imagine as you get older, it gets easier to write that, write that book on a certain subject because you've had. 20, 30, 40 years of experience in it, whatever the case is. So it seems logical, right? But I
1: think a lot of us probably do what I did, which is come up with the idea and then wait 10 years or longer. Absolutely. (laughs) So the fact that you're doing it at a young age, you know, I commend you for it. I appreciate it. You know, it's, you know, I, the younger authors I met that are just, you write what you know, Yeah. right? It doesn't, I mean, you, you have your audience you bring value Mm -hmm. doesn't mean you won't write again it's not the only thing you'll ever write you know and it's like for when you're around those types of people and you see how simple it can be it's just like what was i waiting so long for?
0: what was i waiting for waiting
1: for perfection Uh waiting to die and come back in another life i mean who knows Mm -hmm. but some people just they just don't do it because they they overthink and it really doesn't have to be that way absolutely i mean like uh like kids like my son who is uh early 20s 21 mm-hmm. he was a scrawny i mean pencil of a kid right And then he started working out and now he's just you know i don't want to mess with him type <laughs> kid right i mean he's he, he's a beast he is ripped <laughs> um but he's he's thin he's still like 150 pounds and he's six feet tall but he is ripped mm-hmm. right washboard uh abdomen and so forth uh-huh. so i said to him i was like you're a walking book you mm-hmm. do realize this yeah and he did, you know he's like well what are you talking about and so it's just, it's just those stories about where you can say, this is my journey. Mm-hmm. This is where I was. This is where I am today. Mm-hmm. And tie it in with other stories of things you learn in life, which he's got a lot of them. Trust me, uh, yeah. <laughs> from bad experience of learning the life the hard way. But these are things that we all have. Mm-hmm. Right. We don't have to overthink. We all have these stories. And sometimes it's just it's just putting ourselves, uh, as Jim Rohn said, um, work on yourself. I can't put his accent, his twang in there, but he talks about working on yourself. And if you can find the time where you just say, I'm going to just reflect and work on myself, work on my writings, work on my book, my creativity, Mm -hmm. It's a, it's a whole different, better world in my opinion when you can start
0: doing that. So what's what, your thought? So one of the the conversations that I want to have more on this podcast and I'm glad we're getting into this because you know I've had so many conversations outside of the podcast that turn from building great sales teams to building great people. you know mm-hmm. And um, what I mean by that is I'll be talking with another owner that I'm consulting with. And, you know, he'll be struggling with communicating to his sales team certain things. And I'm like, well, what do you do in your life that makes you successful? And give them that formula. You know Mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Like, why does building great sales teams just have to be about, like you said earlier, the numbers, the marks, the amount of clients, the amount of phone calls, the metrics, all that tactical stuff. It needs to be about making better humans in the process, too. Right? Right. So a lot of the stuff that we go out and we learn or we read or we learn the hard way, you know, um, mm-hmm. we need to be transferring that to our people in general, Absolutely. whether it's yep. your, your network, your friends, your family. Uh, but in this case your sales team, right? Yeah. And so, but that's hard. You realize it's incredibly hard because you yeah. have to get vulnerable I mean, and you have to tell them yeah, why exactly. you feel that yeah. way, you know? Yeah.
1: Right. Cause it's, you're talking about a leader mm-hmm. and most leaders don't, I mean, I don't know about most, but whatever. There's a high percentage of leaders that don't want to do what? To be vulnerable. They don't want to
0: they don't want to show that, hey, I'm I make Human. mistakes too. Yeah. Right. And I, I was that person in my twenties, hundred percent. I had the suit, I had the look, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I had everything together. You know? Yeah. 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 I didn't. I didn't at all. Yeah. And now in my thirties I'm more vulnerable. I go on podcasts and I talk about you know, my unfaithfulness in my twenties and my divorce and all that type of Mm -hmm. stuff. And it, and it does, it frees people to come into my circle and let me share that experience with them so that they either don't do the same thing or they already have, and they know they can come back from it. Right. Yeah. And so, um, but yeah, let's, you know, let's get a little tactical here. What are, what are some ways that you think that, you know, current business owners with sales teams can I guess, help their people sell with dignity. You know what I mean? Yeah. You have a a kind of a one, two, three, or is it more about the mindset?
1: Yeah. I mean, the mindset is the one, two, three. I Mm -hmm. mean, I think sales is almost all mindset, except you have to ask for the business. Right. Right. I mean, Mm -hmm. this is where there's people that fall short is that they do a lot of the good things, servant mindedness, but they don't feel like they can ask for the business, unfortunately. Okay. And, you know, (laughs) that's where a guy like me or like, take me on the sales call, Mm
0: -hmm. right?
1: Because I don't mind asking for the business. You've earned it, right? So Mm -hmm. when you earn it, you've got to ask. But to to answer your question, I think if culturally, if you just have a culture where you say, we're going to do the right thing Mm -hmm. and do the right thing, then you're yeah. and you don't put up with we're not doing the right thing and that like every deal is good when they're not right when you know that something is being exposed as being dirty then mm-hmm. you have to end it right yeah but like i think it is is established with the culture of the company what what's important now i'm not a holier than now guy by any stretch trust mm-hmm. me i have made the mistakes i've overcharged people mm-hmm. and then i felt dirty yeah right it's like this is not win-win this is taking i took advantage you know, now I'm going to find a way to give some of it back, whatever. Right. Yeah. It's just because it's just, it's, it's learning. Yeah. Right. I don't, you I mean, know, it. it's right. If it, it's the problem is when, you know, and you stay doing it. Yeah. Right. I mean, so the, the culture is people. And I, I didn't come up with this, it, uh, Scott McGregor, um, he does this thing, people over everything. Okay. Um, people over everything is really as simple and as pure as it gets. Mm -hmm. Um, when you start thinking that way, people over numbers, right. Um, if you start treating people, their value is limited and it's just about the numbers, Mm -hmm. then, you know, that's, that's not good anywhere. And it's not good in sales and it's not good with your clients. Because your clients, this comes through in your clients and I've seen it right. Where years ago I was in a situation where we had a very, very nice client. They had Mm -hmm. lots of technology from us. They're spending a lot of money with us and we had this little $2,000 issue. Okay. And I'm a big picture guy. I said, "Hmm, two thousand dollars or hundred thousand dollars a year? In business, two thousand, yeah. hundred thousand. <laughs> right? Five years, five hundred thousand for two thousand dollars. simple, right? Yeah. Fix the two, solve the two thousand dollar issue. Mm-hmm. Well, our minutia leader was all about the minutia, all about the data. Says yeah. we can't, we can't lose money on this two thousand issue. Problem Mm -hmm. can't lose money, so instead we lost the entire account. So over five years, you just threw out a half a million dollars. Yeah, but your two thousand dollars is whole. How does that make sense? But this is this is where the vision comes into place, right? And the way you treat people, the way you treat your salespeople, the way you treat your clients—it's not different. Mm -hmm. You can't say I'm going to treat my clients one way and my salespeople another. It shows up, right? It always shows up. So coming from a place of putting people, understanding their value is tantamount, I think, to running a successful culture, right? Taking care of people like this, this idea of not paying salespeople unless they sell something. Yeah. Okay. Commission only that works in some businesses, Mm -hmm. but if you want people around, I mean... I did this commission-only thing. I pretty much had to breathe in a mirror and I got a job, right? Yeah. What good is that, right? Their turnover is massive. So if you want quality people to stick around... Give them something. I'm not saying you have to pay them a million dollars, but make it where they don't have to sweat over paying a couple of their bills every month because they are trying to do the right thing. Yeah. When you put the pressure on that they have no income mm-hmm. and then you want them to always do the right thing, well, you're, you're setting them up to fail in yeah. one way or the other. And those types of people would rather them fail morally than in business. That's really, I mean, that's what it comes down to, in my opinion. That makes a lot of sense.
0: You know, uh, we, we, a year ago, we enacted a, a $500 a week base against commission mm-hmm. and uh, we knew it wasn't much, you know what I mean? But you know, we're, we we're, we're commission only company. Our whole company mm-hmm. is driven by commission. There is no recurring yeah. revenue. There's no, you know, none of that. It's every, we have to make a sale in order to operate every month. And so, um, and I've been doing that for twelve years, so I'm used to it, yep. right? It, yep. it it's not my north star at all, because uh, I know that the success will come, just like you said, if you take care of the people. And it, it took a long time for me to learn that, you know, and uh, it took a lot of not getting a check some weeks and not getting a check some months to to put this policy in place, right? Yeah. Um, but since then the people that I've had the core group, you know, probably 80 to 85% of my people, whether it be staff or sales have, have been with me for at least a year or more, which mm-hmm. in my business, that's a lot, yeah. you know, that that's a, you know, it used to be mm-hmm. 70% of the sales force turned over.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm familiar with that. Commission only, door to
0: door. (laughs) I mean, this is the lowest of the lowest sales positions. Yeah. 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 And so um, the fact that we've been able to turn that tide has been huge. And what you were saying earlier about selling with integrity, selling with dignity, um, one of our core values is we operate with integrity, you know, Mm -hmm. so it's communicated from early on, you know, in our core values, in our posters, on our walls that that's how we operate and if you operate outside of that then we're going to have an issue you know and typically we let we we allow it to happen once you know where it's blatant that they took advantage of a customer or something like that we make the customer whole and then and then you know we allow that to happen once we have a formal write-up and everything and then if it happens again they're gone you know Mm -hmm. it's usually a two-strike policy because yeah once you do it again like you said you're aware of it you know the code yeah. of conduct, you know, you know how we operate and we don't operate like that. And, and honestly, the way that we hire now, I I haven't had to deal with that in a long time. Yeah. Cause they already know what kind of company we are cause our, our the, the messaging in the ad is in there. And then when they get on our company wide calls, it's there, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And it's constant from the staff, from the VP of sales all the way down. And so we're constantly auditing people when they come into the company making sure that they align with our core values, you know? Yeah, I love
1: it. So, well, so your your expectations then are that people are going to stay for a year
0: or two. I mean, like more, more now. We've, okay. we've whittled it down. Because, mm-hmm. you know, we decided to start operating on core values about a year ago. that mm-hmm. we really dialed them in. We laid them out and we said, this is it. Yeah. You know, when we were introduced to core values uh, from an individual named uh, Thomas Keenan, and, um, he wrote, you know, we we're talking about cursing. He wrote a book called unfuck your business, you know? Yeah. And it's, I'm good it's, with cursing now, yeah, by it's the a, way, I'm, it's I'm a far great, from the mission world. Well, yeah. I mean, this, this podcast has a explicit on it. Um, but, uh, he wrote this book and the book is all about core values and how mm-hmm. if you operate on them, it's going to be uncomfortable initially. And we went through that. We went through about yeah. eight months of that, but the last four months have been fantastic. And the people that are with us now have gone to where they have only made the five hundred dollar base for months in a row, but now mm-hmm. they're making fifteen to twenty grand a month. You know what wow. I'm saying? Yeah. So they they dealt with the hard part, yeah. and they right. went through it because they yeah. aligned with us yeah. and they believed well, that they were working towards something greater than just their own check. You know exactly. I
1: love it. Yeah, and I'm excited to correct. Like, so I don't. So when commission only is where you have a future and potential, I'm not against it, mm-hmm. right? What I am against is hire everybody, survival of the fittest, right? Yeah. Very few people get the love, mm-hmm. and you know, yeah, burn know. and churn, and those people are just not treated. But when you're like, I would look at again, is that like there's some companies in real estate that I mean, they're all commission only, yeah, but there are others that some will really take care of the people. Mm -hmm. And others don't care but you obviously care so that when you can lay out, I'm going to coach you, I'm going to help you hit your goals, Mm -hmm. right? Understanding what your goals are, and I'm going to help you get there. And we're going to give you a little bit of something, but it's not going to take long. And sometimes sales is a sacrifice to get into it. It's not like you're making a hundred grand in your first six months. Right. and people used to whenever I used to hire and I still you know periodically do people will say well oh, so how much you want to make so six figures when do you expect to make that it's like do you get right out of the gate yeah <laughs> after a year <laughs> like like mm-hmm. when what is the ramp up to make six figures in your mind you know it's not gonna happen in month one no, it's not happening in month two no. or three. Right. But it takes some time to build up a client base and, you know, funnel and so forth. Yeah. But yeah, I I really like the core values uh, building your business on that.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's a big deal. It's a big deal for us. So I have a note in here to ask you about the diamonds nearby story, but I went back (laughs) through the book and I couldn't find it. Yeah. yeah. And, and, but I'm going to ask you anyways, can you, can you tell us, can you tell the listeners that story real quick? Cause there was a reason yeah, I highlighted it.
1: Okay. So it's, um, it was a story written back in the 1800s mm-hmm. and this fellow who, um, uh, um, it's, it's about the diamonds being ultimately where a farmer sells his land. Cause he sees the value of diamonds and he goes in search for diamonds Uh-huh. Ends up dying tragically. The people who buy his farm see the diamonds, find diamonds. Uh So the diamonds were right under his nose the whole time.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: So I tie that into sales that we're always potentially looking for greener pastures. Mm -hmm. My territory isn't, my town isn't, you know, whatever. It's not as good as so-and-so. They've got it made. You know, they've got everything. I've got nothing. And I just ask is like if other businesses are succeeding in your piece of the pie wherever that is Mm -hmm. can your business succeed there as well yeah right and it's really that simple and if the answer is no like for instance if you're trying to sell technology in a plot of land that is just farmland and there's no population and you're Mm -hmm. trying to sell stuff for servers or whatever it's probably not a good fit right but once you're in an area where there is technology, are you taking advantage of the opportunity mm-hmm. there? Or are you always looking? Because people that go from one thing to another never find their happiness. They rarely exactly. find success. I've seen it for years and years. Mm-hmm. People job hunting, job, what do you call it? Hopping. Hopping, yeah. Every every year, I mean, twelve jobs in thirteen years i've seen it It's like mm-hmm. how do you ever make money doing this? How yeah. do you ever right build a reputation doing this? yeah you can't you your reputation is I'm going to hop jobs and you know i'm going to take my clients all the time i mean I just don't think that is I'm not saying you have to stay in the same place for twenty years, but right. You do, I feel like you're missing out on opportunities when you move so much
0: that you can't build something that endures, right? And there's What's so many, fun? there's so many examples of that, you know, for one, the, the biggest thing that, that, you know, whether you're an entrepreneur or a salesperson, you need to learn is wherever you go, there you are. Right. And typically if you're a top performing salesperson, mm-hmm. you can be a top performing salesperson anywhere. doesn't matter mm-hmm. the turf, doesn't matter the product. Whatever the case is, if you have good disciplines, you know what I mean. Yep. And, and and that's too often when it happens when you don't have good discipline, and so you need the perfect scenario, the perfect product, the perfect turf in order to be successful, right? You know, and I saw it with my company. You know, we were selling AT&T Uverse. right? Mm-hmm. And we were selling UVerse when it was the only whole home DVR on the market, so you could pause in one room, play in another. Yeah, and and nobody else was doing that, so we were killing it. And mm-hmm. then direct TV started doing their whole home genie. And then time Warner had a whole home DVR yeah. and all of a sudden our numbers, you know what I'm saying? Right. And, and we were able to maintain and, and grow eventually because we had somewhat of a foundation, but it wasn't that good yet. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, and, and then there's another saying that comes to mind, the grass is green it's where you water it. Yeah. You know, if you keep looking over the fence at the other grass, your grass mm-hmm. that you have is going to die, you know, same thing goes into life, right? Into your marriage. If you don't sew into your marriage, it's not going to grow. You know what I mean? If exactly. you're always distracted by things going on outside of your marriage or other women or other, you know, uh, work or whatever the case is, you don't sew into your marriage, it's not going to grow, you know? Yeah. And, totally. and it, t- it typically takes our twenties to learn that. <laughs>
1: you know yeah. I mean? <laughs> well, it's, it, and it can take, it can, again, awareness can come at, uh, and sometimes it never comes. Yeah. Right. Unfortunately. I mean, it's just, you know, I mean, how many again, no offense, I'm not trying to pick on people. I've right. known people over the years, especially in the faith that I was in. Mm-hmm. People were on their third and fourth marriage.
0: Yeah.
1: And not even looking in the mirror. Yeah. The problem is always with the other person a mm-hmm. 100% of the time, and they would pass along cuz I I used to do all this counseling and so forth. Uh-huh. And it's like can we, you know, trying to tactfully bring up. It's like can we look at working on ourselves a little bit, uh-huh. right? And it's, it's same is true in business, right? Same is true with salespeople and sales leadership, where we're blaming sales leadership as our problem, the owners our problem. It's like mm-hmm. can we can we take any of the blame? Can we look at all and make, as Jim Rohn would say, can we make ourselves a little bit better? Yeah, right. What will that do? And like. You know, the way some people view authority. I mean, a lot of salespeople, I don't know if you're like this, but we're a little bit rebels, right? I mean, yeah. I was a missionary, but I was a rebel, right? That's why I did what I did, uh-huh. right? Because, you know, people don't just pack up and go live in the Dominican Republic and live in a grass thatched roof and have all kinds of bugs in it and so forth. Like, that's not normal, right? right? We're, we're, we're a bit adventurous, rebellious. So when authority speaks to us, we're like, yeah, I'm going to take that with a grain of salt, <laughs> yeah. right? I don't yeah. really think you're, you're always, saying, oh, you were
0: serious, you know, a little better.
1: <laughs> yeah. So I'm not sure where I was going with that, but I mean, I know it was really, it was a great point, mm-hmm. but you know, this is what I do is I sometimes forget my points, No, but this, this idea that Oh yeah, okay. So I was tying it in. Mm-hmm. So we're a little bit of rebels. And I was talking about the person that goes through four marriages and then right. starts still looking for the perfect solution. Yeah. We can still look for the perfect boss. We can look for the ideal company. Guess what? It's not out there. There is no perfection out there. Someone's no going to have a bad day someone's going to be disgruntled someone's going to say we're paying you too much or we got to cut back here or we're not going to pay you until we get funded ourselves or whatever they say may rub you the wrong way you're going to go every time someone rubs you the wrong way you're going to go Pack up and go somewhere else, and I just think that's silly because it perfection. Is. And that's my wife. She stayed with me for a long time. She knows perfection does not exist.
0: <laughs> She's married to me. No, I'm just <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'm the. I'm the same way. Um, now it's 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 funny you say that. I've got a I've got a story for you, but uh,
1: okay. What is it?
0: We're gonna we're gonna run out of time here. So
1: okay, I'm All gonna right. okay.
0: I'm gonna start a new question at the end of every podcast you're the first person i'm gonna do it on and and i love that it's you because i i feel like you've got this dialed in um so the question is have you thought about the legacy you would leave behind and what does that look like to you
1: yeah okay yes i love the question um so the legacy is um live for your purpose and you show whoever is around you. Like I have kids. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm showing them I'm living my purpose. When we don't live our purpose, we let life direct us instead of directing life. Mm -hmm. And this came, I've lived my purpose for many years and I stopped living my purpose. So I can speak both sides of this. When I lived my purpose, I was the happiest, most fulfilled, best ever. And then I stopped living my purpose. And then I became like disgruntled, lost, Mm -hmm. you know, and then it's like, wait a minute, I'm not living my purpose. Right. And then to say, I can now show my children because I lived my purpose when they're really too young to know what I was doing. Yeah. And then now they can see what my purpose is. It's all about serving people, um, making the world a bit better by serving others so that they can, you know, have successful businesses Mm -hmm. and successful lives, right? Tied in together. They can see that I'm hoping that they can make similar decisions throughout their life instead of life happening to them. Right. I love that. I love that. And I think that's unfortunate is that I just read this statistic because Mondays used to drive me crazy years ago, Mondays. Uh And I've always looked at, since then I've looked at Mondays as like one seventh of my life. Okay. I'm not a math genius, but I do know there are seven days. (laughs) Monday makes up one day of the week. That means it's one seventh of my life. Mm -hmm. Why would I not love one seventh of my life?
0: 100%.
1: Right so I read, so I'm looking at this thought and I read somewhere that like to 70, some ridiculous number, 70% of the population doesn't like Mondays heart attacks on Mondays, strokes on Mondays, mm-hmm. you know, sickness more started on my And it was like, what the heck? Yeah. Why? Right. It's our life, right? It's our life. So mm-hmm. why would we wish it away? hate it, you know, just things we do just don't make sense. So whenever I catch myself in that mindset, mm-hmm. I, I want to snap out of it
0: immediately. Yeah. What's your what's your take? Well, I mean, I, I love what you're saying because it's it's so true. If you're living your purpose, Monday's just another day that you yeah. get to live your purpose and you get to help others in, in 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 your case. And um so when I was looking at the cover of your book, I noticed the the hands shaking yeah and uh you know, it just reminded me, basically, <clears throat> excuse me, how I feel when I am living my purpose. I'm in a, a flow state, mm-hmm. right? And I had this trip a while back that on the trip, I got to pour into others. I got to be around like-minded individuals, um, and I got to see these amazing things happen with a mentor of mine, right? And just every conversation was just an amazing conversation you know, yeah. about, you know, development and mindset and pouring into each other and what we're doing at home with our families and how we're leading them and everything. And so I was in a flow state for the whole trip. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and it, it, it very much reminds me of the cover of your book because that's what it feels like, mm. you know, it, if yeah. I could describe the way that I felt it in, in, in a picture, it would be that connecting with other people and living your purpose. And that's what it looks like when you're living your purpose, you're almost glowing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And yeah. so it, it, it's Give such a great experience. of that. That's yeah. So great. Yeah. <laughs> so you're definitely headed in the right direction, brother. Um, how, okay. First off, how can we pick up a, a copy of your book? I think I just went on and on, no, did I order it? No, I went on Amazon. I want to say it's on Amazon, correct? It
1: is. But if okay. you want to, um, yeah. I could probably send you a link that if your listeners want. Yeah, I could put it in the show uh, notes. That'd be great. Put it in the show notes and we give them a discount and a signed copy.
0: Oh, wow. That would be amazing. Yeah, I'm going to have to get one of those then. For sure. (laughs) Yeah, okay. No, that's great. (laughs) And uh, where's the best uh, way for them to get a hold of you?
1: Um, You can go to my website, which is uh, harryspate.com. And you're gonna see the spelling of my name somewhere in the show notes. So mm-hmm. absolutely, um, that's easy. And selling with dignity is gonna put me there and find me on LinkedIn or Twitter. Uh, feel free to connect. I try to provide value wherever.
0: Um, awesome. So yeah, it's all about that. I appreciate it, Harry. Um, I appreciate you coming on the we show. We gotta get
1: you on a. Uh, on, uh, yeah, I would love behavior? that. I I'm like, rebranding man. my podcast, and I knew okay. you and I spoke about this. But I'm now I figured it out that everything is selling with dignity with me, so the yeah. podcast name is going to be Selling with Dignity. Mm-hmm. Um, so we will get you on that, and uh, you know I want to know more about the core values, some of the lessons you've learned, and yeah, that'd
0: you know, be fantastic. It's
1: a great conversation. So really grateful for you
0: having me on this one. Yeah, absolutely. It's 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 been an honor. Thank you so much, Harry. All right, my friend. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode of Building Great Sales Teams. We sure to appreciate it. If you haven't done so already, make sure you're subscribed to the show wherever you consume podcasts. This way you'll get notifications as new episodes become available. Remember, great sales teams are not recruited. They are built block by block. Until next time.